Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture lesson comes from the New Testament book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture lesson is a good one for today, with today being Mother's Day, because the focus of the passage, which I just read, is love. Now that sounds nice. Love is nice. But as every mother in here knows, love isn't just nice. When I think of love, I think not only of a mother's love as portrayed in a Publix commercial. I don't just think about a, a warm dinner or a nice hot cup of chocolate uh, cocoa. I think about this one afternoon when Cece was a baby. She was in a stroller and we were walking back to Sarah's parents' mountain house when a baby bear walked by in the distance followed by his mother and it made me realize once again that love will kill you if it has to. <laughs> a mother's love is not just warm. A mother's love is not just wholesome and gentle. And so when I, I read that word love which occurs in our second scripture lesson five times I think about how love is an intense and active emotion. Love is a verb, and there's a difference between talking about love and really loving. That's why I titled this sermon, There's a Difference Between Watching and Doing. We have been watching so much lately, confined to our houses. How could we have made it through this pandemic without TVs and computers and Netflix? But, but love calls us not to watch, but to do. Love sometimes calls us to fight. We have to remember that, especially as Christians. I once heard a story about a, a Sunday school teacher who was giving her young students a tour of the church and before they went into the worship space, she let them know how she expected them to behave. You can imagine that at their church, it was something like the sanctuary, a place to be entered into with reverence and respect. Therefore, before they went in, she asked her students to be quiet and to walk slowly. And you know why we must be quiet and walk slowly when we're in the sanctuary, right, kids? And one of them, maybe seven years old, pipes up and says, yes, ma'am, we must be quiet in the sanctuary so we don't wake up all the people who are sleeping in here. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. 
So I admire most those who preach briefly, eloquently, and passionately. I I subscribe to the preaching philosophy of the comedian Charlie Chaplin, who once advised preachers to begin their sermons with a good joke and to wrap up with a really strong ending, and those two pieces should be as close together as possible. This is good advice. But when it comes to preaching, I also subscribe to the thoughts of the great Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, who famously compared the worship space to the theater and the preacher, not to an actor, but to a director. Kierkegaard wrote that the sanctuary and the theater both look alike. Both rooms have a place for the director, a place for the actors, and a place for the audience. In the theater, the director is backstage, the actors are on the stage, and the audience is in the rows where they are hopefully well entertained. Here's the difference. The worship space is different in the sense that the audience is always God. Now think about that for just a moment. The audience is God. I'm I'm one of your directors. Up here on the chancel, we are the ones who who motion for you to stand. We, We try to instruct you on what to do, and we try to inspire your most worshipful thoughts. But this must always be absolutely clear. While you are sitting there in the pews, you are not here to be entertained because this is a place of worship. What we do in here is offer praise to our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. I imagine you've thought of all this before. The question is not just whether you get anything out of the service, but what did you put in? What did you give? What did you offer God? So there is a difference between watching and doing in the worship space, but that's also true of life. Something I'll always remember is how years ago I was in Tim Hammond's and Jimmy Scar's Sunday school class, and Tim, who's serving as the Beatle today, told us then that he doesn't like to watch movies because he doesn't enjoy watching other people live their lives. He'd rather be out in the world living his own. And I like that very much because it's true. We must not be passive observers, but actors on the earth. And before our short time is over, we have been called on to play our part, to run our race, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, to love God and to obey His commandments. In addition to our two scripture lessons for today, scripture is clear on this point in several places. In the Bible, we are warned, don't be hearers of the word, but doers. Don't just memorize the Ten Commandments or or notice when your friend or neighbor violates one of them, but follow them yourself for your own good and so that you might choose life over death. The author of 1 John is adamant on this point. Just two weeks ago, we read, Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth, in action. This is good, clear, sound, and transparent advice, which reminds us that Christianity is no spectator sport, but a way of life marked by faith, hope, and the greatest of these, love. That's the truth, and that makes us different from all the screeners and spectators around us who 
are busy watching rather than doing. And being different from all of them is okay because love also requires distinctiveness. Now, not everyone wants to be distinctive. I haven't always wanted to be. I remember being in sixth grade and wanting more than anything else in the world to be just like everyone else, to avoid being distinctive. I don't think I had any opinions of my own. I don't know what kind of shoes I actually liked. I just wanted the kind of shoes that it seemed like everyone else had, even though they cost $125 a pair. I remember asking uh, my mom to buy them for me. She wouldn't. And she probably said something like, Joe, don't you know that you don't need those shoes to be special? You're so special all on your own. And that's a mother's love talking, and a mother's love won't get you through sixth grade, but it will get you through the rest of your life. (laughs) And we cannot be afraid of what makes us distinctive. You may already know that uh, Jeff Bezos used that word in in his letter delivered to Amazon stakeholders just last week. He said that He said that there are all these pressures to conform to our world. And conforming, while it might make life temporarily easier and less conflictual, conforming eventually leads to death. Quoting a book called The Blind Watchmaker by Richard Dawkins, Bezos reminds us that staving off death is a thing that you have to work at. Left to itself, the body tends to revert to a state of equilibrium with its environment. Our bodies, for instance, are usually hotter than our surroundings. And in cold climates, they have to work hard to maintain the differential. When we die, this work stops. The temperature differential starts to disappear and we end up the same temperature as our surroundings, which means... We're dead. This is a powerful quote, and I'm thankful that Dr. Jeffrey Meeks emailed me the article about Bezos where it's quoted because it points to our Christian calling, which is always to be set apart, to be distinctive, to be citizens in the kingdom of God, even while living in countries on this earth. But the only way we'll be able to do it is if we know so well that we are loved and accepted by God that we stop working so hard to be loved and accepted by the world. Right now, the church is getting all torn up again about who is in and who is out, who can be loved and who can't be. In the Marietta Daily Journal, I read about a preacher who spoke right to his son before the congregation during the worship service. He said, "Uh, son, I want you to know that your father wouldn't kiss the bishop's ring or kneel to the liberal theology sweeping this denomination, which is really no theology at all. He said this to his son to thunderous applause from the congregation, and it made me very afraid and worried. Because I know that the most loving things are done when God is the only one there to applaud. 
Love so often comes without any obvious reward. Just yesterday, I, I heard a sermon about that from Reverend Chelsea Waite, who is one of the pastors at Ebenezer Baptist Church. She, she told this story about a 10-year-old boy who mother, whose mother asked him to do some chores around the house, even though he didn't want to do them. Finally, she said, I'm going for a walk, and when I get back, they had better be done. Well, she walked back in the house, and they were. The whole house was clean, but there was a note on the counter, which turned out to be a bill. <laughs> Took out the trash, $5. Cleaned the windows, $25. Vacuumed the kitchen, $10. Scrubbed the toilets, $35. The total came in at $75, which this mother wasn't going to pay. Instead, she wrote a bill of her own to her son. Carried you around in my womb for 40 weeks. Free. Labored for five hours so that you could be born free. Changed all your diapers free. Fed you, soothed you, even in the middle of the night free. This is what love is the right thing, even when no one else is watching. Love is active, it is doing, not standing by, and so often it is done without celebration or applause. Mothers know that perhaps better than anyone else. Fathers, on the other hand, are still learning it. I started uh, picking up our girls from school on Wednesdays, and for the first, uh, the first two or three times, I couldn't, I couldn't get it right. I, I couldn't remember to bring those numbers you have to put in the windshield. When I finally had them with me, I, uh, I had them proudly displayed. I pointed them out to Miss Williams, who runs the pickup line, and who is the twin sister of Stacy Jensen, one of our newest members. And I expected Miss Williams to applaud me because I showed up so well prepared, but instead she said, what are you expecting? A parade? <laughs> For finally doing the bare minimum of what's expected of you? <laughs> well, I did want a parade, because some of us want a parade, but mothers know that love doesn't often get you a parade, and most of the time, love instead requires sacrifice which is much more like the love of God than anything else. The Lord who sacrificed everything for us, His love looks something like a mother's love in the sense that to love a child, you must allow a part, maybe several parts of you, to die. You have to let your independence die because a, a little child is completely dependent on you. You have to let some of your freedom die because you aren't free anymore. Everywhere you go, your heart is tied to someone else. You have to let your privacy die because you can't even use the bathroom alone if there's a newborn in the house. My children walked in on me when I was in the shower just yesterday and a part of my dignity died and they would tell you that their eyes are still burning. But this is what love is in soul. Those who don't know much about it aren't dying necessarily, but that hardly means they're really living. 
In this terribly superficial and divided world where it can be so difficult to know what to do and what to say and where it becomes very easy to just fit in. I realize that the love our second scripture lesson calls us to is an active and risky thing. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. As you think about this verse, think about how loving really feels. And the next time you are faced with a choice between staying quiet and safe or speaking the truth of your heart, you will know exactly what you should do. For I remember those times I listened to love And it cost me something. It was scary, but love is scary. Love is the difference between doing what is easy and doing what is right. It is the difference between doing what is popular and doing what is true. It is the difference between slowly dying and really living. It is the difference between watching and doing what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. On this Mother's Day, I charge you to think about those women who have loved you into existence and don't just think of their warm hugs. Think about their terribly dangerous, sacrificial love and go out into the world loving this world the same way they did. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.